Welcome to the Sensualchemy School podcast, where we explore grief, pleasure, and the sometimes messy, always beautiful paradox that exists between the two. Here, as we center the experience of our wise bodies through the archetypal feminine, we ask, within a culture that perceives emotional, intuitive, and creative intelligence as inferior and avoids pain at all costs, what if grief were our compass and pleasure our medicine? My name is Kate Leeper, and I'm so grateful you're here. Welcome back, dear ones. Oh, have I got a juicy one for you today. We are dropping into the shadows of the bad girl body. And it's going to take us some places today, sensualchemy style, my loves. And I'm so excited to talk about this topic because it's actually the core of a free class that I'm teaching next week on September the 22nd at 10 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. And that's a Thursday morning here in Australia, but for many of you, depending on where you're located, it could be the evening of Wednesday, the 21st. So check it out at kateleeper.com slash badgirlbody, all one word, to get a feel for it, secure your place, you know, and uh, get ready to enjoy a really unique embodiment workshop. Now keep listening because I'm going to break down what bad girl body is. (laughs) And if you're someone who has had a complicated relationship with your body, your expression of the feminine, and with simply navigating the world as a woman under patriarchy, then today is really going to reframe some of this for you and help you see how your internalized ideas about what it is to be a good girl or a bad girl can be a kind of unconscious script that creates so many barriers towards feeling safe to feel, to be seen, and to live fully. And I want to introduce you to the idea that it's in existing as a slave to this script that lends itself to a unique kind of loss. Now, if you're new to Sensualchemy School, welcome. And here, we're curious about the grief and pleasure spectrum. We explore grief in its many facets. And last episode, I spoke about grief being perceived in our culture the same way as the feminine. Now, I invite you to check out that episode because there's lots to chew on around the parallels between how little respect we have for all things feminine The same way as we dishonor the chaotic, emotionally charged experience and expressions of grief. Now, I argue that this is a catalyst for so much loss in our systems when we're not free to fully express who we are. All right. Now, a helpful place to start before I introduce the bad girl body And you start asking, is this me? Do I have a bad girl body? Who is this bad girl body? Is to speak to the good girl body first. Now, I think many of us are quite familiar with the idea of the good girl complex. 
There's been lots written and explored around how many cultures, not just in the West, seem to have these clear-cut ideals pertaining to gender roles, behaviours and expressions. Now, where I'm from in Australia, the overculture, and that's a term coined by Clarissa Pinkola Estes, referring really to the dominant culture that overrides other traditions and customs is greatly derived and influenced by the church and purity culture. So when I speak to the good girl body and the bad girl body, these ideas are ultimately framed by how organized religion and the male-dominated power hierarchy within decides that girls and women are to function in society. And even if, like me, you weren't raised in a particularly religious home, family or community, the values instilled by Christian patriarchy will very likely have permeated your personal fundamental values and most definitely have contributed to your developing sense of self up until now. And when it comes to your relationship to your body, particularly if you happen to own a uterus or identify as a woman, the odds are that your sense of self is infused with a very special kind of toxicity that has lived in the bone marrow of your lineage for many, many generations. So this leads to why I'm interested in exploring not just an intellectual concept of the good girl and the bad girl archetypally, But instead, what I'm interested in is how these concepts have actually been, I guess, embodied into the blueprint of our women ancestors and how they impact us in very real, tangible ways. And I believe that to really come into a felt sense of how the good girl shows up through the way we feel about our feminine form, the way our nervous system operates, the way our health manifests in different ailments, we must drop into investigating these qualities through somatic channels. And all that means is that we let our body do the communicating. We create space to hear how the good girl has corrupted the true blueprint of our creative sensual, erotic expression, and what we must do to restore and reclaim the parts of ourselves that have been disowned to ensure we stay within the small window of feminine acceptability. This embodied exploration will take place in the live class I'm teaching on the 22nd, but for today, as I speak to the good girl and the bad girl, I just invite you to notice the intelligence of your body as it responds to these concepts. The sensations, maybe emotions, even images might surface. Words might come into your acknowledgement. Just noticing whatever bubbles up to meet you is really important information. So let's get clear on the good girl and how this role might be expressed and experienced through the body. Now, within patriarchal overculture, from birth, 
and of course this won't be news to anyone, but girls are encouraged to be soft, delicate, mild, submissive, and of service to the needs and desires of others. And I find this interesting because I have three daughters and I would not describe them as soft, delicate, and mild much of the time. Yet what I find is that despite them being all unique, multifaceted humans who are absolutely capable of being soft and delicate, they're also equally capable of being rough and even ferocious at times. And it's in these times that I notice discomfort in those around me and often in myself. There's a subtle and sometimes not so subtle requirement that this rough and ferocious expression be tamed just enough to be celebrated as like some feminist achievement. But beyond that point, it's too much. And look, this is to be expected to rub up against our embodied edges. Even if the theory of giving girls and in the same vein ourselves the freedom to express beyond the scope of good girl indoctrination feels right, our bodies will ultimately feel some level of discomfort around this new frontier and that's a part of the untangling process. I know in my body, the good girl has a number of different flavors to her. I guess you could say that when I'm operating from my good girl, I'm aware of both a felt sense of familiar comfort that informs me I'm playing my role right, quote unquote, and alongside that, I'm also used to feeling things like a relentless internal drive towards achieving and accomplishing, a lingering, a lingering weariness, <laughs> and a sense of tightness and restriction, almost like a protective cloak around me. In my body, the good girl feels like a wild animal that's been domesticated. And although there's a sense of being at home and I'm familiar with the expectations of this way of living and I play them really well, there's also always this gnawing desire to bite my master's hand off, you know? <laughs> Glennon Doyle's book, Untamed, really nailed so much for me around how girls and women are socialized to be these docile, conforming creatures. And yet, that this is not our truth. And most of us know it. No, we just have to unlearn the taming and access the instincts and wisdom that are underneath. And I do highly recommend the book if you haven't yet come across it. I'll pop it in the show notes. Okay, so I know you want to get to the fun part. <laughs> if this is the good girl body, the domesticated body that knows both passivity and compliance as well as resentment and a yearning for more, then what is the bad girl body? Well, I understand the bad girl body to essentially be the liberated body, the fully expressed body. 
all the flavors of embodied expression that are muzzled and caged under patriarchy. I'm going to briefly share with you four exiled expressions of the feminine that, amongst many others, represent the stigmatized bad girl body. And in the class I'm teaching in a couple of weeks, we'll be getting super up close and personal with these four exiled expressions. Of course, we'll be playing with how they reveal themselves to us through the intelligence of our bodies. And today I'll share a little bit about each of them so you can get a feel for what they evoke in you and the depth to which they are free or inhibited from being fully known. And I want to note that although these exiled feminine expressions can be referred to as archetypal energies, what I really want to make clear is that I'm speaking to very real socially constructed identities that have been conveyed to us like villains. They are all names that you'll no doubt receive immediate and visceral information about from your body because your body will know exactly what these labels mean and why these aspects of self are culturally condemned. They have become our shadows because they've been disowned by our culture first and by our second. All right. The first exiled expression we're exploring is called the mess. Now, I start here because quite simply, the mess is possibly the first internalized villain that girls are encouraged to disown at a very young age. The mess symbolizes chaos, imperfection, emotionality, dirtiness, insolence, and being hard to handle. The mess is the bad girl who refuses to be polished and put together. The bad girl with something to say and say loudly, who has a different opinion and shares without hesitation. The mess is the bad girl who follows the muse over the rule book, seeks inspiration over guidelines, trusts the spark of knowing over the shoulds, the map, or the script. The mess won't match her clothes or tidy her hair for anyone and won't be at the beck and call of the powers that be. The mess doesn't care what anyone thinks, and this is highly problematic to a system that relies on girls developing insecurities. So they will look outwards to maintain an image of perfection. Now, I find that the mess as a disowned identity within the bad girl body often shows up for women as rigidity and controlling behaviours, even anxiety, a somatic sense of constriction and tightness, and underneath that there's often a seething, bitter resentment that snakes its way into life in different ways. When we struggle with chaos, we fight uncertainty and we crumble with a lack of order, 
we're profoundly rejecting what I believe is a vital resilience that humanity needs to thrive. This is the kind of vitality we need to fuel creativity, art, for love, sex, and pleasure. And the mess, when rejected from our feminine expression, will almost eat away at us from the inside out. This seething bitter resentment is a natural byproduct of exiling the mess from your identity. This expression experiences some major losses when replaced by compliance and perfection. So I believe that bitter resentment is actually a cover for grief. The grief of abandoning creativity for structure, of abandoning quirky uniqueness for conformity and belonging, of abandoning trust and flexibility for control. So that's the mess. And now we change track onto exiled expression number two, the bitch. I mean, I feel confident that most of us will have a palpable sense of the bitch as it lives inside us. Yet, like all these identities, the bitch that you've come to recognize and then disown is the one as painted by a misogynist culture. So we'll likely be more like a caricature than your real expression. So then what is it about the bitch that causes us to recoil? Well, the bitch is the bad girl who says no, basically. (laughs) The bitch says no and means no, and this is wildly unacceptable. The bitch answers to herself, and this is definitively disobedient. Obedience is a quality that good girls are praised for, so bad girls who deny the status quo or stand up for themselves or others in the face of injustice that forms the backbone of society must be torn down and made an example of. The bitch is also often associated with being inappropriately masculine in the way that, you know, the bitch won't be soft and obliging in conflict. So the powerful energy, the tone, the conviction of what the bitch has to say is offensive to the ladylike expectations of Christian patriarchy. The bitch is ostracized for this, which serves to harden this expression even more to protect any sense of hurt and vulnerability. So how does the bitch show up in the body? Many women describe the bitch energy as fiery and heated or like a swirling rage within. And unsurprisingly, most often the bitch energy is completely contained and it seeps out through toxic ways of relating like passive aggression and manipulation, or it ends up simmering for so long that it explodes in major irreparable conflict. And the bitch is often kept in line by the good girl counterpart, the martyr. So this looks like forfeiting all boundaries making yourself accessible to anyone and everyone, so not 
to come across as a bitch (laughs) because it's a hugely frightening prospect to be labelled as a bitch in our society. For many women, the cost of martyrdom, which can manifest in illness and disease and a general sense of misery due to keeping everything inside, feels like a more acceptable fate than being labelled a bitch. I mean, this blows my mind, but I think we can all relate to it in some way or another. And the grief that lives inside the bitch can be immense. If the bitch is repressed and replaced by codependency and self-sacrifice, there is so much loss around not having a voice or not having an identity outside of the service of others. But if the bitch is let loose and wielded as a weapon of defence, there can be major grief underneath a hard armour of protection, grief that speaks to a loss of safety, to having to always be on guard, to not being able to surrender into softness and receptivity. Hmm. So that was number two. All right, so... The third exiled expression of the feminine, the third shadow of the bad girl body, is again (laughs) one that I have no doubt many of us struggle with. It's also been my favourite to play with over the past couple of years because there's so much power here. Introducing the slut. The confident, no-holds-barred, juicy-as-fuck woman that wants what she wants and won't apologize for it. Now, our society has a completely warped relationship with the slut, and this is where I think the confusion and challenges come in. Because as girls from childhood, we're taught that our sexuality is something we need to harness for the benefit of others. We're taught that there's something wrong with liberated female sexual expression. And so we cross our legs and suppress our desires and learn to perform sexy when required. But the slut in full expression follows pleasure, follows desire, but from a place of absolute worthiness. There's a sense of there never being too much of a good thing for this expression. It's bold and unfazed and willing to be seen completely uninhibited. The slut wants to ravish and be ravished and feels an unquestionable right to feeling good. And I think where many women get confused is that When men choose it to be so, the slut is celebrated. When the slut serves a purpose or makes a man feel powerful in some way, sluttery is fully encouraged. (laughs) Yet when a woman embraces her inner slut freely and without obliging to the expectations of a man, this expression is vilified. All of a sudden, the slut becomes shameful. 
For this reason, for a woman to come into contact with the desires and the energy of the slut inside her body can feel incredibly vulnerable. Maybe she can safely fantasize and cultivate this expression within herself privately, but to share this with loved ones or outwardly in the world in some way can feel terrifying. The trapped sexual and creative energy of the slut can cause so much fury and heartache. And this expression is often so deeply exiled that it carries the bitch and the mess on top of it. There's a profound ache towards feeling free to show up as a confident, sensual and sexual being buried under so many layers of grief and protection that it requires an immense amount of patience, compassion, and gentle excavation to reach it. And I know from experience that forging a relationship with the exiled expression of the slut is life-altering when it comes to explorations of personal power and creativity. So that was number three. And the fourth and final exiled expression is an aspect of the bad girl body that has had enormous historical implications and continues to be an archetype that challenges the overculture in many ways. And this is the witch. The feminine expression that relates to the natural world with the kind of reverence that patriarchy will never understand. The expression that appreciates the infinite reciprocal magic that emerges in connection with the cosmos and all things not easily explained. Now, as children, we were taught to be petrified of the witch for fear that we would see the immeasurable power that lay underneath the crooked warty nose and poison apples of fairy tales. You know, the witch has been carefully and intentionally created as a figure of disrepute, and it's worked an absolute treat. (laughs) To know the witch within us, we must ignore the fairy tales and look to, I believe, our ancestry. The witch lives in our bodies, but for so many of us has been relegated to the furthest corners in fear of persecution. In full expression, the witch doesn't have to resemble the isolated, herb-growing, cauldron-mixing hermit. I mean, that's perfect, of course, (laughs) if that's a bit of you. But the witch is so much more than that. The witch is the deep, unwavering wisdom and ancestral knowledge that so often we turn our back on because it challenges so much about how the world operates today. The witch wields a kind of internally resourced power, stability as well, and a self-trust that feels unnerving to a culture that relies on scarcity and lack to keep profits up. You know, hence the special slice of bad girl body that this expression inhabits. How dare we as women be so in tune with our bodies 
our senses, our instincts, and our relationship to the earth, that we aren't in helpless reliance on the systems and structures that maintain power. Now, this indoctrination lies at the root of why so many of us reject our intuition in favor of organized systems of control. Not because these systems offer us anything more certain or guaranteed, but because an insidious, shameful residue still lingers in our bodies and psyches that says, if we embrace our inner witch, we'll be called crazy, insane, dangerous, or worse. Yet, it's an immensely profound thing to witness. A woman, when she accesses the witch within her, when she wakes up and meets her inner witch in fullness and truth. Before that time, this aspect of the bad girl body often shows up as a perpetual sense of lostness, of desperately clutching at maidenhood with the longing to be rescued from a pervading emptiness. This emptiness, I believe, is the body communicating a sense of grief at the disconnection from the witch within. It's such a major loss to a woman when her own intuitive embodied medicine is labeled as inferior or wrong. Yet too often this loss isn't recognized. And so the mother wound continues to be passed down. Ah, So there they are, the four exiled expressions of the bad girl body that we'll be working with in the free class I'm teaching on the 22nd of September. Now we're going to play with these shadows more intimately and it's going to be really very revealing uh, which ones are most yearning to have their losses acknowledged and reintegrated in you. And I think you might be surprised at how much these aspects of you, once recognized and ritualized back into being, can open up so much new in the way of creative possibilities, leadership capacity, and pleasure potential. Now, remember that you can register for this class and receive all the info at katelieper.com slash badgirlbody, one word. Now, my workshops are most potent when we come together in real time. So if this is an option for you, I'd highly recommend it. Carve that space out in the calendar. But if not, totally understandable. And you'll also receive a recording for this one. So no stress if you can't attend live. Just ensure that you claim your place so then you receive the recording. And finally, thank you so much for listening again today. I hope that something has landed with you. And if it has, make sure that you do rate and review this podcast if you're finding it helpful in unpacking your grief and pleasure. Okay, beloveds, I shall see you next time. Thank you for joining me today on the Sensual Alchemy School podcast. If you found this episode supportive or something landed for you here, please share it with your friends, family, and anyone who you feel might benefit. 
If you're loving this podcast, I'd be so grateful if you'd leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to ensure that we can keep bringing you the conversations you need. And if you want to connect, please find me at kateleeper.com or over on Instagram at kate.leeper. I'd love to hear from you.